Welcome to Burlers Hurlers. We are recording the last episode of the season. This is the 2021 wrap-up. I'm host Dan. This is host Don. It's our first uh, in-person episode. We finally got it together. We got our schedules, which are really not that complicated. We just suck. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, we're doing this one in person. The audio might sound weird. We're staring directly at each other for the best (laughs) audio quality so it might get awkward but uh so the season's over we're well underway in free agency now that we've got a little distance from the Sox's exit in the playoffs and what happened with the Braves and the Astros uh let's just start there and put a final pin in this season let's call it on 2021 Don World Series takeaways anything Oh man, it's been so long since I thought about baseball. Um, I my biggest takeaway was that we didn't. The Sox did not belong. It's like good for America that we weren't there. We would have gotten demolished in the World Series. In the World Series, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's good for America, but it was definitely good for for us. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was the general feeling I had too, which is that we were, you know, we're in the the weight class, but. We're barely there. We still need a lot of help on pretty much every front compared to, you know, there was a lot of great teams that didn't even make it to the to the LCS. I mean, so that's, I guess, what I, my takeaway was, too. The other one being that it's just a crapshoot, and getting into the playoffs is the most important thing regularly, frequently. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You could have the best roster, like the Dodgers, by far, and lose. You could have the most wins, like the Rays, and lose. It's just, it's all about being hot and being there regularly. And That's, having a Jewish pitcher, which is what we found out is the most important thing for a World Series team. Right. Max Fried Max is, Fried, baby. is the reason, I guess. Um, so, yeah, we need more Jewish pitchers. Were you listening to um, when Freed was pitching and then the announcers were like so uncomfortable talking about how Freed was Jewish and he loved Sandy Koufax? I, you thought that was uncomfortable? They No, they were uncomfortable. Hmm. I liked it. They were like delicately talking about it. Like they didn't know if they were allowed to say the word Jewish. They were like, so Freed, uh, you know, his idol growing up was Sandy Koufax, you know, a... Uh, a man of uh, Jewish, uh, it's like just say he's Jewish and he likes the Jewish pits. Fine, as a Jewish man, I was offended that they were nervous. So, question, totally off tangent, is Jewish a culture or a religion or a people? I've been waiting for an entire <laughs> podcast to talk about. Because <laughs> I, I need two hours. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we can get into that later. But this is a, this is a Judaism podcast. <laughs> We've changed over. Yeah. Now that it's the <laughs> off season, we're going to focus on Judaism. <laughs> the short answer: all three. In order to be Jewish, your mom's got to be Jewish. Interesting. So yeah. All right. Quick, nice, tidy answer there. We'll get co- back to it when we talk about Jack Peterson later. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, I'm not too down on what happened to the Sox because, like Don said, maybe we're a few players short, and like I was saying, it, who knows what's going to happen. It's all about being there regularly and being the hottest team in October. That's what it's all about, so we just got to get back there and keep trying. So I'm not. I'm, I'm in a better place uh, after the World Series. It was super entertaining, too, oh, yeah. and, you know, Astros got bounced, which was nice. Was nice. It was awkward watching, yeah. though, like... It's weird rooting for the Braves. I don't like it. At least, like, I can watch them on the road. I don't like watching the home games. I I don't get into the tomahawk chop. And let's give the Blackhawks some credit in this whole Indian, Native American renaming scheme. The Blackhawks have kind of stayed out of it because they don't really have the mocking part of the mascot. So I like how after one of the bigger scandals in sports history, you're like, let's get the Blackhawks. Okay, crap. yeah. I totally, like, I've been so unplugged from the actual Blackhawks. Yeah, me too. Like, what's going on? I forgot. Yeah, let's also give them a bunch of shit for <laughs> having a massive cover-up. Yeah. Yeah, so never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that topic, I saw that the Cleveland, uh, whatever they are, uh, they were supposed to start selling merchandise for the Guardians today, and oh, it was no abruptly way. halted at all retailers. Now, that was a tweet that I did not follow up very much on, but just something interesting with that topic. What's going on there? I don't know. Maybe they're having cold feet. It says merchandise sales delayed months after a lawsuit with a roller derby team. Also named oh, the Guardians. Okay, I had heard about that, so that actually came to light. Wow. Okay, so it has nothing to do with the uh, the renaming for Cleveland offered the roller derby team four figures for the name and the four team figures. It up. So that they have, what, like a thousand. That's an embarrassment. That's crazy. You're part of a billion dollar industry, and you're going to offer someone less than ten thousand dollars for your team name. It's you either, said four figures, they said right? It's quote four figures. So whether it's one thousand or nine thousand, we don't know. But that's still embarrassing. That's a total embarrassment. You got to give them like ten mil. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a nice little detour on whatever we're talking about. Let's get back to uh, the White Sox. So anything else on twenty twenty one you want to hit on, or do you want to get right into? The winter mode. Let's get into it. Free agent preview. Let's do it. Okay, so let's start with players leaving or potentially leaving the Sox. We know Kimbrell had his option picked up. We'll get into that heavy in a little bit. Rodon, the Sox did not extend a qualifying offer to. That's kind of like the franchise tag in NFL, if that makes sense to you. Similar sort of mechanic. Uh, Larry Garcia, Ryan Terpera, and Billy Hamilton. There's a couple other no-names, but... That's not really too bad as far as just unrestricted free agents leaving the team. Anyone you want back. I mean, Rodon is its own chapter. We'll get into that. But some of the other names, Leary, Terpera, the Hamilton. Is it bad that I think Ryan Terpera is like crucial for 2022 success? No. I mean, it's bad that it's true. But, yeah. <laughs> like but, he, it's like a must-have for this offseason. Yeah, I think that we've talked about Terpera being pretty damn effective uh a lot the on this pod so i don't see any reason not to keep him we went out and got him um and if you're trying to maximize that trade like they're doing with kimbrell the, the return i mean you may as well keep to he's he's good and he's a nice little change up in this 
in this MLB to have a guy like that who's effective without the you know traditional RP arsenal sinker slider like hard fast he's kind of he's he's his own thing oh yeah so I don't mind them going at, of all those guys I'd like to see him come back Hamilton I don't know maybe on a league minimum contract what about what about those other guys I think we're we both want to pair it back I think Hamilton. I love that he loves the Sox so much that if he, I mean, if he has another major league offer, go for it. I just don't think he's he will. Like he's not good, but he's fun. He likes it here. I could see him doing like a minor league contract, come to spring training, going to AAA, getting called up a bunch, just like you know, sent back and forth seven times next year. So if he's willing to do that, great, love him back. I don't want to guarantee him a roster spot or anything. Right. What about just make him a coach? Oh, I would love him as a coach. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Okay. So Coach Hamilton. I think he would too. I think he's I think he's kind of a glue guy for the clubhouse. Like I don't want to reserve a roster spot. I don't even know how the roster spots work. Sox had like seventy guys in the dugouts at some points. It's like you're not even you're injured and not (laughs) on the team. What are you doing there? Regardless. I'm same page. We'd love to see him back in some capacity, not playing baseball unfortunately <laughs> i think we've said this about other players too like nicky delmonico like he should be a coach like every bad player the Sox is like let him be a coach why don't we just have 20 former Sox as our coaching staff yeah that that's a great question damn I, billy hamilton is younger than us really how I, old is he's he? 31 wow i thought he was like 37 yeah man i was <laughs> gun to my head i was said 36 <laughs> damn <laughs> All right, so those are the those are the faces leaving. And well, real quick about La- oh. Larry, would you be would you be bummed like a little upset if Larry left just because he had some big moments for us this year? Uh, not really. I kind of view that spot in the roster he fills as like a vital upgrade we need to make. So I mean, I'd be I wouldn't be mad if they brought him back, but I kind of think we need. To, to really focus on that super utility superstar in this offseason. Oh, yeah. Did you hear Rick Hahn's comments about, like, that super utility spot and, like, DH? It's like a, an interview. I don't know if we want to start here, but I was actually super worried. He was talking about how comfortable he is with Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, and, like, that DH outfielder spot, and also how he was comfortable with, like, Larry Garcia and Danny Mendick and that... Was it Romy Gonzalez, the kid we called up who sucked? Like he said, like he's really comfortable going into 2022 with these guys. His DH outfield, utility, second base. And I don't know if that's like hyping up his own guys, making him feel good, or if he's serious. Like, yeah, Sox fans do not expect a free agent splash here. We're going in with like our, our own guys. I was worried. I did not hear that and definitely concerned because... That's the exact same fix that we miraculously got by with last year. It's like, let's depend on these unproven guys, and that's the plan. It's like, uh... I mean, it worked once. I, I'm, that is very concerning. I don't, I don't like hearing that, because to me it's kind of obvious when I look at the roster and what happened, is that we truly need to upgrade everywhere and kind of nowhere. We just need a Someone who's super talented, like a Kike-type player, uh, yeah. who can play every position, and there'll be no ego, like, I'm taking your role, I'm taking your role. It's like, well, you're injured, so I'm playing that position. 
So if if he truly believes that we're gonna get by with those type players, it might be uh, <laughs> a long season. I guess though, to his credit, he maybe was... he's just smoke screening though. Maybe he's trying to be like, I'm not making these big moves because there are a few guys, multi position players, that are big names in this free agent period. I mean, it could be. Yeah, he could be like listening to Scott Boris pump up his own clients. And Han could be like, hey, I don't, you know, we were happy how we are. We don't need to spend 50 million bucks here. So it could be a lot of gamesmanship. But just knowing, like you said, last year, like, well, we didn't really spend money last year. We went in with your mean Mercedes as like our starting DH. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so if he's just doing that again, like, hopefully someone catches fire like your mean. We're, we have a lot of time with this window, but we don't have like 10 years. Like, we need a win in the next two years. That's. That's something I kind of wanted to hit on the window and have to win. Like, I feel like this year was the last cakewalk the Sox are going to have for five years. The Twins were miraculously bad. Because if you look at their roster, they shouldn't have been as bad as they are. They're a pretty good team. The Tigers are getting better. We've talked about that a lot. They just got... Eduardo Rodriguez, the youngest, probably available free agent pitcher. He's not, you know, he's not a guarantee, but he's an upgrade. So the Sox really, they really do need to kind of step on the gas here for not only the division competition increasing, but kind of the market, I think, is hot in Chicago right now of who is the popular team. Like when the Sox were winning, it looked like they were you know, super popular. The Bulls were awful. Now the Bulls are really good. The Bears have Justin Fields. So it's just like you really have to stay hot and to stay relevant even in your own market and division. So I don't think they can just coast. If they're planning to coast, it's going to be a disaster. Next year will be a disaster. Well, I think there's – everything you said is true, but I think there's also like a third component of what should – not make us like accelerate the timeline but be cognizant of the timeline Giolito we only have two years left before he's a free agent to me that's always been like the end of the road for this core for this window when do you have to pay one of your own guys a ton of money because we get we we're lucky that like Moncada Eloy Luis Robert we sign these guys to small deals but when do you have to sign one of your own guys to a 200 million dollar contract we have two years before that happens so can we win before Giolito either leaves or we're paying him 200 mil because then it's not like oh a cute little team anymore now it's like oh my god we have a humongous payroll so are we gonna waste another year with like danny mendick as our starting second baseman like yeah want to get into specific guys do you have any of uh anything else in your agenda no i mean i do have a bunch of random things that i'll pepper in but let's go right to free agents i mean it's a Pretty good market this year, I'd say, on the batting side. Oh, yeah. The pitching side, I'm not very hot on. So, I'm good starting with pitching because I really don't have that much to say other than, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez was, I don't even love the guy, but he was the youngest, probably most upside type player available. The rest of the market is a lot of 30 to 38 year olds on the upper end who, I don't know, for a lot of them, I don't want to be the guy who gives the old pitcher a bag of money and then he stinks. We've kind of already done that. We've definitely done it with Keiko. 
And Lynn is kind of right there too, right at that age. He's he's secretly becoming a bag of bones. Right. I mean, I don't think Lynn's going to be terrible anytime soon. I just think that I don't love investing a bunch in 30-year-old non-generational talent pitchers. Yeah. So I'm not really hot on anyone in the pitching market. Not even Rodon. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let's, okay. let's talk about... I think that's the only pitcher of interest like that I would have opinions about. Otherwise, it's like if we get Kershaw or Scherzer or Verlander... Those are the only guys who I would be like, okay, that's kind of interesting. The rest, but I, I wouldn't even be too hot on it. Those guys are all injured and old a bit. So, all right, let's, let's talk about Rodon. Let's talk about Rodon. So, rewind a little bit. One other thing from that Rick Hahn interview, he was saying he was asked about Rodon specifically, and uh, he brought up Kopech and Crochet with really without saying the exact sentence. He was saying. Kopek will be what Rodon was for us last year in terms of like managing his innings. Like we want him to be ready to go in October, but we're also going to be very creative during the year. So he said like Kopek is a starter in 2022. Will he pitch 200 innings? Of course not, but we're going to ramp him up. Might have to take breaks, might have to like three innings here, but I think the goal is for Kopek to get what Rodon did this year, which is like 130 innings, something like that, and then be ready for an October start. And then he also said Crochet ideally will do what Kopech did last year. So like pepper in some starts, get him uh, available to go longer if need be. But he's basically like a year behind. Like they don't want Crochet starting yet, but they do want him in the future. So Han, I think, made it pretty clear Rodon's not coming back unless it's like a one-year deal for less than the qualifying offer, which I'd have no idea why Rodon or Skeporis would take. So as tough as, for, as tough as it is to admit, Rodon, it seems like 0% chance he's coming back. But he looking at Fangraph's uh, contracts, they nailed Eduardo Rodriguez's estimate. They said between like 72 and 80 million for four years. You have 577. They estimate Rodon three years, 45 million. Even if, if the Sox were willing to take him back, is that a price you'd be comfortable with? Three years, 45 million for Rodon. Yeah, I would. That's really not that expensive. I don't think so either. That's how much we pay Hendricks a year, isn't it? Just about. I think more. Yeah. Like during Rodin's hot streak this year, we were talking like, I'd pay him $100 million, and I meant it at the time. And mm-hmm. I still think kind of he could be worth $100 million if he's healthy. It's like three years, 45. Let's do it. Like, Keiko might suck. You might need Kopech to start anyway. Lynn might not be very good. You might need Kopech anyway. Let's go with like six, seven options rather than four and a half pitching options yeah, yeah. oh i thought you meant contract options no yeah sorry, huh? pitching options because <laughs> like kopex your number five you have four and a half starters right and one of those is keichel who was horrible right i mean he's the fifth starter pretty much in any scenario i guess yeah even if reynaldo was pitching i would still view keichel like in what i expect and i've kind of wrapped my head around if keichel is our worst pitcher that's not the worst. It's just we're paying him a ton of money yeah. to be our worst pitcher. That's okay. So if it's fifteen mil a year, that's less than Keiko makes. That's less than Keiko because he makes like nineteen five. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm very comfortable with that. I mean, it's kind of like it's it's a lot of homerism because really you sh- there should be red flags all over the place. But he's twenty seven or something. We're done. Yeah, twenty nine. Twenty nine. Okay, 
Hmm. Interesting. I, I'd still feel more comfortable with that because the only other guys that I'm really interested in are like Syndergaard. And he's pretty much Rodon of the Mets where, you know, they're doing their best to keep him. He wants to stay. I I don't see him moving and I don't see the Sox ponying up for Scherzer or Verlander or Kershaw or really any of those guys even being interested in coming here. Well, let's go down the line then really quickly. So, and according to Fangraphs, top pitchers on the free agent market. First one is Scherzer, but he's not leaving the Dodgers. I think it's already agreed upon like three years, 90 million. I saw like that's what's going to get it done. So moving on, Robbie Ray, they estimate he's going to get somewhere like four years, 100 mil. Are you interested at all if Han were like, let's upgrade? Robbie Ray comes off awesome season, four years, 100 mil. I don't even know if Robbie Ray is an upgrade over Rodon. I kind of view him as Rodon adjacent, like lefty with a lot of questions. Agreed. I think, like, I don't think it's unrealistic that Kopech can outpitch Robbie Ray next year. Robbie Ray could be horrible next year. He could be really, really bad. He could be Keikel. Then we're paying two Keikels. Yeah, if I could get a bet that Robbie Ray is either the best or worst pitcher and I win either way, I would take that bet. <laughs> that fan duel should have that bet. Yeah, he's either... Not even numbers. Just, is Robbie Ray the best or worst pitcher? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they'll fairly judge that. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Damn it, he was just all right. <laughs> uh, all right, Marcus Stroman. They estimate same thing, four years, 100 mil. Does that interest you at all? More than Robbie Ray, I'll say that. But, I mean, the nice thing about... Ray and Rodon is the lefty component. I know it's not the hugest thing, but it is nice to have an ace lefty. Agreed. But isn't it also kind of weird that, like, hearing these numbers, like, four years, 100 million, Robbie Ray and Marcus Stroman, it's like, all right, these guys are fine. Rodon might be better, and he's going to get half as much. That's what I mean, yeah. If I'm Ray Khan, I'm like, well, hell yeah, give me Rodon. Yeah. Like, these numbers are kind of shocking to me. And Eduardo Rodriguez, he's the next, but he already got five years, 77. Five years, and Rodon might only get three. Next yeah. is Kevin Gaussman of the Giants. He's estimated to get three years, 54. I'm interested in that market. Me too. I just don't think he leaves the Giants. He had like a hell of a year there last No, year. I don't. Yeah. Is it realistic? Probably not, but I'm interested. I like him. Then Cindergard, one year, 18 mil. That's the qualifying offer, right? Yeah, they think he'll get around that. If he, he'll probably want to do a one-year contract rebuild his value. Yeah, I don't see him leaving the Mets, but I'm I'm interested in that market too. I mean, but he's it's he's like the same thing as Rodon too. I'd rather have the guy who already knows the organization. Agreed. Then Rodon, then Kershaw, who they estimate to be around like you know one year twenty mil. I could be interested in Kershaw. Me too. I just don't think he leaves. I don't think he leaves, and I think the chance of having two terrible old pitchers on our roster is bad. It's just that could be a disaster. Here's another old pitcher, Verlander, one year, twenty mil, same thing. I feel like yeah. I feel like they could get him. I feel like it's very doable. He seems like gonna win it. I'm only here to win. Maybe I could do that in one year, and then I'm going to sign that exact same contract next year until someone stops paying me. Right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if they brought in a Verlander. I would love that, I think. Yeah. 
just like one year guy where it's like you might not be awesome but get me to October give Verlander a start and I'm just like super confident yeah it kind of tilts the bullpen more into the like serious like a more serious mentality to or the starting uh rotation you know they're kind of like a cast of cut-ups right now you have lynn and verlander or lynn and kershaw and someone like that just the elder sort of no bullshit pitchers that'd be kind of an interesting change too and then you mentioned like how starting pitchers not a lot going on there's a pretty big drop-off after that then it goes into guys like Steven Matz, yep. John Gray, yep. who are projected to get like three years, maybe ten million a year. Like, I'd rather just go with Kopech and Crochet at that point, right? Yeah, I I have no interest in signing that level of player at that age at that price. It's right. like I, I throw Reynaldo out there, seriously, yeah. <laughs> over oh, John yeah. Gray. Yes, no question. And I'm not going to pay thirty million dollars for a five ERA pitcher like 30 mil for John Gray or 700k for Reynaldo like that's an easy decision yeah then we got a Korean guy actually Reynaldo's uh he's been around for a while he's in ARB 2 right now I think he's making three mil is he really yeah hey, good for him <laughs> good that, for Reynaldo that's awesome he's like buying a condo in the South Loop yeah he's doing all right that's nice yeah Anthony DeSclafani, Corey Kluber, it is a thin market out there. It falls apart, yeah. So, like, if Rodon is not going to happen and we're not at the top of the market with Scherzer, I think we have to accept what Han said at face value. Like, it's Kopech and Crochet, maybe Ronaldo. I don't even mind that. Like I said, there's only a few names that do anything for me in the market, and otherwise I'm good with what we got. For pitching, I'm not looking to spend a ton this offseason for the Sox, or looking for them to since... You know, I don't have any actual say. So then if there is money to spend, before we get to, like, specific hitters, or the rankings of hitters, do you want to start, like, anyone you're targeting? I want this guy in the 2022 White Sox lineup. Uh, for hitters, we're for talking hitters, about. hitters, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me start with the, if the Sox get any of the top 10 batters, I'm fine with it, obviously, because they're there for a reason. They're they're all really good players at really good high demand positions. Um, these are your, you know, Corey Seegers and Chris Bryant's and Correa's. But I'm going to tell you who my number one target is. I think we have the same number one. We'll see. One side at the same time. Chris Taylor. No, no, <laughs> Was it the same? No. Okay. No, see. Total disaster. Yeah, my bad. But I'm going with Chris Taylor as my number one target for a handful of reasons. Now, I kind of alluded to it earlier in the pod where we need a super utility player at who plays middle infield, corner infield, and outfield. Okay, every position. Chris Taylor does that at, you know, a high to elite level at some positions. And he can hit. He can hit for power. He can hit for contact. 31 years of age. Never really had a payday, so he's probably going to be getting paid. But I think he's a realistic target. I agree, especially at the price. He fangrass projects him around like four years, $60 million. Which for a player like him, he's going to age pretty well. He's not. He, I, I don't see him falling apart. And you can project him at like 600 plate appearances, not even just at second base. Like We know Moncada's a guy who needs days off because he just something with his body just get put Taylor at third let Moncada DH 
put uh, Taylor in center, let Robert uh, DH to keep him fresh. So I think like being super creative with Chris Taylor, not even just like starting second baseman, it'd be really fun. He'd be like what what Larry Garcia kind of was at the end of the year, where he's randomly awesome, but Chris Taylor's like, oh no, I'm actually awesome, and I've been awesome for several years. So I would love it. Not my top guy though. Okay, who's your top guy? Starling Marte. Starling Marte. Yeah. The outfielder. The outfielder. I think like right field to me is a gaping hole that I, th- I think Hans is going to want to put Adam Engel there. And I like Adam Engel. I've come around in him, but like, is this a World Series team? Let's have a World Series outfield. Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Starling Marte, three guys who you might look up at the end of the year with like, oh my God, all of them have 30 homers. All of them have 100 RBIs. All of them have 100 runs. It's like three actual stars out there. So that's my number one guy, especially factoring like what's realistic. Like would I love Correa, obviously, but like what's realistic and kind of a reach? I think Marte is my guy. And Fangraphs projects him at like a short deal, like two years, fifty million or something. Okay, uh, I have no qualms with it. I the only one I do is kind of having a number one target for an outfielder, which is to say. There's Castellanos out there. There's Conforto out there. Yeah. There's there's a lot of outfielders out there that I would be comfortable. Let me just say I agree 100% that we need to upgrade in outfield. What I like about a Taylor or a Bryant over a Marte is that flexibility. Because there's, uh, I guess, right like if you commit to right field, like we're just going to Splash the pot in the outfield. I just still have those Danny Mendick concerns there. Oh, yeah. But Starling Marte, we talked about bringing like him as a trade target. He's a good player, really good player. Always keeps proving people wrong that, you know, oh, that was his last good year. He continues to perform. I think he had another monster year last year. Uh, I, I would be happy with it. I, it's just the need is not as high there to me because you could have Chris Taylor play right field. True. Then I wonder if like a compromise person is someone like Javi, Javi Baez who mm. would only be one year, could play second, could play short, let Tim Anderson, uh, you know, dick around DH, maybe even try Tim Anderson at center, which some people have said like that might be where he should end up. So it'd be super creative with that. And then let outfield, like Andrew Vaughn, he's got to play somewhere. Maybe you'll just let Andrew Vaughn get better in the outfield. Does that interest you at all? How do you buy it? Are you still like, I'd much rather Chris Taylor? I'm more interested in Marte than Baez. I just don't want to bring that personality and all, everything that comes with Javi Baez. I mean, that White Mets Sox. stuff was very stupid when he was like, what, thumbs down? Yeah. That was like so weird. It's not even, it's just everything. That wasn't like, oh, it's the last straw. It's just a lot of ego and personality that I don't love on the team. I I just, never been a fan of Baez. So if they brought him in, I'd be like, shit, why didn't you bring in someone else I hated, like Correa? (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of out on that market. I, I would be fine if they get anyone like, I don't see them getting Seager, Correa. No way. That's not going to happen. Like, the Sox mercilessly booed Correa. There's, if he has, he could choose any team, why would he choose us? 
that's not happening. I mean, we really have to adjust our angles. A lot of people are talking about uh, Marcus Semien. What, what do you think about that? That was I was just about to say, I think there's a huge name we haven't said yet that actually, I don't know if it's realistic, but he's the one elite guy I could see us getting. A, because he's played here before. Right. And B, because like, it's a huge position of need, and he's not going to get like an eight-year contract like Correa. I think he's already like 32. Famous right around estimate, there, yeah. Like four years, 120 mil. So like 30 mil a year, it's a lot, but only four years. I could see Reinstorf saying like, I am not spending a dime on pitching this year. In fact, like I might even trade Kimbrell away for something. And Simeon, we're going all in. Have the best infield in baseball. I could see that happening. And I actually take back what I said. Simeon's by far my number one. Like by far my number one choice. I just don't think it's as realistic as a guy like uh, Marte. That's fair. I, I like him as a number one target more than Marte, though. Just, I, I can't be seeing Danny Mendick out there. I, he's a good guy, I'm sure. <laughs> it's just, he's nice. He's, he's all right. He's not the best. <laughs> he's not the worst. Um, he might be the worst player in the Sox. But uh, we need a star. We, we just need some big splash because... I, we just can't let this off season go by and we don't we don't go in again because I think it's gonna and get a guy like Simeon on a short deal get someone on a two year deal three year deal make your plan your uh, you know franchise's path based on reality. There's two years like you said before we have to really start ponying up so you can be out clean on a guy like Simeon. Instead of a guy like Correa. Just go all in. What do you, what's there to lose? $100 million? So what? I guess it, it's that is such a bummer, though, that the 18 mil we're spending on Craig Kimbrell, we could basically have Nick Madrigal for free as like a very good starting second baseman, and then 18 mil freed up to spend on a starting pill, like a Verlander type. Like, like, oh my God. The trade is just looking at the list of free agents and how... We're probably going to whiff on all these guys. That magical trade is brutal and is looking worse every day. It, You know, it's looking a little better to me really? some days. Just because I don't know if Nick Magical was ever going to be the Nick Magical we built him up in our minds to be. The 310 hitter for 25 years, <laughs> ends his career with 7,000 hits. That's the future that we had drawn up, and it was entirely within grasp. But I... Th- <laughs> I'm nodding my head. I, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. No, yeah, we're is... drinking Kool-Aid over here. We got a big old bowl of punch. Um, I think he's going to be injured his whole career. I really do. And what's the ceiling? A 40 ceiling. RBIs, eight stolen bases. It's a Hall of Famer, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where we talk about a Semyon or Chris Taylor or I, I don't know, anyone, you could increase that position's output enormously enormously right now it's our biggest hole and i don't know if madrigal was ever going to be truly what we need he would be like a fan favorite type maybe he would have maybe like a role player type but that's a position where you could have a superstar not like that kitschy guy but if we so let's say simeon like resigned to the blue jays or something javi Baez goes to the mets chris taylor resigned to the dodgers then there's like nothing. No, then, then it's horrible. Then it's like yeah. Eduardo Escobar, Jonathan VR. Then it's like, oh my, I might as well just roll the dice with Mendick. It all depends on them going in on replacing that position. Yeah. It does because, it, yeah, 
if they don't make a big move there, it's a horrible trade. Because really, really he bad. is going to have 4,000 hits. We'll at least agree on that. Yeah, 4,000 minimum. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Um, what... Does Jorge Soler do anything for you? Yeah, so I have a list of outfielders here. Like once you get past the guys that have already been mentioned, Chris Bryant, Sargon Marte, Nick Castellanos, there's guys I could see accepting a one-year deal, maybe two years. Jorge Soler's on that list, but I think they're more interesting guys like Conforto that you mentioned. I if Conforto's like I need to rebuild my value to get a hundred mil deal, I would love Conforto on the Sox. Lefty bat, like I think it'd be awesome. That's what I love about Conforto is that he's in a down year with a team that, eh, the Mets, they were kind of crap, and you don't know how much that is real. You throw him in a lively Sox offense that desperately needs lefty hitting. I think that's huge. He reminds me of Schwarber last year, like when he was good for the Cubs his whole career, but he wasn't this superstar the Cubs fan envisioned. And when you come up through an organization, you have these super lofty expectations on you. I think they were actually in the same draft. Cubs fans like didn't appreciate Schwarber, and all it took was a change of scenery for him to be like, "Oh, man, this is like I can be an awesome hitter." I think in Florida, same thing. Like Mets fans loved the guy, Italian kid in New York. Like I was gonna say, forget about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I think just the weight of those expectations and it's like a bad year after bad year like he's still got talent get him out of New York have him come to Chicago would anyone be surprised if he put up like 30 homers you know next year no I wouldn't and I think he'd be a good presence with uh, Yaz be like hey this is how you walk again I mean he had uh, kind of a huge decline and something that made him valuable but I love. I have Conforto marked as one of the guys who, if they sign, I'm super thrilled about because I think we need another lefty bat. I know we do, um, and I think he could be it. And he's right fielder, right? Yeah. So uh, he can. I mean, I think he's, he's left field center a little bit yeah. too. I don't think he's good there, but yeah. But yeah, I, I love Conforto. I, I'd like to see them bring him in. The Fangrass think he might accept the qualifying offer or maybe something a little more, but like one year 15, one year 20. I thought I read that he'd already rejected the qualifying oh, did he? offer. Oh, I saw that on MLB. Good news for us. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another guy I wouldn't mind them seeing. You know, we said Chris Bryant a bunch, but he's kind of my backup. Like, Chris Taylor's my number one because I think it's realistic. And I think you said some number like four and 50. Something like that? For Bryant? No, for uh, Taylor. Oh, yeah, I think they said like 460. Okay, yeah. I would be willing to even bump that up to make the Sox the attractive market by 10 to 15 mil. For sure. Because Bryant is at, they project him eight years, 200 million. Exactly. And that's kind of the, what I'm presenting here is I think Chris Bryant is a lot of those same things that uh, Taylor is, you know, multi purpose great player it's just he's got the name recognition the mvp and that's gonna cost an arm and a leg i just the Sox are not gonna be in that market no way does an avi garcia reunion interest you he was secretly very good. yeah no it doesn't <laughs> you paused you looked me in the eyes and said no <laughs> here's the thing about avi is i think he can be great when he wants to. I just don't know if he wants to all the time. 
I also just don't know what he's supposed to look like. I've seen Avi be like this tank of a man. I've seen him be 70 pounds overweight. I've seen him be really skinny and not hit for power. Like, he's third. Like, what is he supposed to be as a baseball player? There's one year he started, he like tried to steal like 15 bases. One year, he had like 30 home runs this year. He, I'm just confused by him, but I think somewhere in there is this like weirdly good baseball player that I wouldn't be shocked. This is going to sound so stupid. I wouldn't be shocked. If Avi Garcia is like 38 and having just this like Nelson Cruz career where it's like, oh, he figured it out and now he's just a power hitter and that's him. Giving you nothing else. So I'm I'm intrigued by Avi as a reunion. I can't do it. But, okay, still. Uh, you know, I can't fight it if it happens. I, I'm not saying he's a bad baseball player. I just I don't like you said, I don't know what I'm getting yeah. in any shape or form. He's a weird player. Right. I mean he he literally was the worst player in baseball a couple of years. Right. Like, that That happened. Exactly. And I don't think we have time to figure out that enigma that is Avi. We have enough True. unknowns on our roster. That's a good point. We, don't, we aren't in the position to gamble. So then if we're talking, like, other one-year guys, I mean, then it gets, like, kind of like Mark Canna. From the A's, like, does that do anything for you? Not a lot, but more than Avi does. All right. <laughs> There's a uh, Japanese guy who's apparently good with a cool name, Seiya Suzuki. I don't know what you wanted to say to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd be like, "Ooh, I would say." Oh yeah, I'm big, big on oh, that. Suzuki. <laughs> and then our boy Jack Peterson. Well, you. Already reserved time for him, so go yeah. ahead. I wish he would. He's got to be better. I mean, there are like two Jewish guys in the, in baseball. One of them is amazing. One of them is like, he's another guy. What is he supposed to look like? I mean, did Jack Peterson gain seventy pounds this year? He used to be a center fielder. Now he looks like a fan. It's weird. What do you think the the pearls? Liked it. Yeah, they look great. Kind of a. It was an interesting move. Yeah. It was an interesting chain game move because. You know, it's a little like it's all it's a it's an arms race. Some people have like ten chains, and then you saw some people with those like black onyx chains. Yeah. Don't love those. And then Jock just completely changed the game by wearing grandma jewelry out there, and I think it was good for him, good for the MLB. It was definitely like a hot story. It was hilarious. I was a fan. I think you got to do the pearl, or you got to go all out like a Brayu and Eloy. Where it's like, I am wearing $700,000 worth of jewelry right now. But I think days are over. Just like, a, you know, a thin little uh, cross. Like something you get at Kohl's. I think those are over. I don't know if those days were ever here. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Like, yeah. I, I don't know many MLB players shopping at Kohl's for jewelry. but So you want to see the Sox go after Jock? I don't think... I think that Atlanta is just going to sign back everyone. I agree. That's so, why I didn't like bring up Rosario or. Uh, but Solaire, I mean, does Solaire interest you? Because he was horrible in Kansas City this year. <laughs> yeah, like he was really, really bad. He interests me. He's like kind of the lowest name I have on my list yeah. of guys. Where it's like, well, we need a DH and we need an outfielder, and here's a guy who can hit a ball thousand feet. Let's take him. <laughs> Honestly, I think like that's the most realistic option. I think 
we're going to fast forward three months. Spring training is going to start. We're going to look at the lineup and think like, oh, God. We, we signed Jorge Soler. <laughs> Adam Ingles is starting outfielder. Danny Mendick and Larry Garcia are going to platoon at second. No starting pitcher. And there's just like this Craig Kimbrell question like, oh, is he going to get traded? And he won't. And Ryan Surf will like sell the team and that'll be good. <laughs> Doom and gloom on the hurl. But uh, I, I still think that I still think that's like a ninety win baseball team. It is. Like I think it'd still be a fun team. Is it a playoff elite team? That's another question. No, I mean we'd get bounced in the first round again, but So we we have our wish list. Christmas is coming. What do you think the odds are that we get anyone that we want? If you're talking like a top 10 hitter, if you're talking like what are the odds we get... Or even any of the people that we asked for in this pod, do you think that they're actually going to do anything or are they going to just sit and blow it? I'd say there's a 25% chance we get someone who is as impactful as like a Nick Madrigal would be last year. And that's to say Nick Madrigal was good last year. He was like a three wins above replacement player. I'd say there was a twenty five percent chance of that. But I would say Hans looking at this is like Andrew Vaughn was a third overall pick. The kid could be a star. He's got to start. He has to start. And Adam Engel like showed a lot last year. He has to start. And I can see him doing that. Vaughn at DH, Engel in right field. Maybe we'll go get Eduardo Escobar or something for second, so fans don't complain. I think there's a seventy five percent chance of that route. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you where I ex- I have all these hopes and dreams and there's there's a lot of pieces out there that can make us a lot better, but I have to be a little bit realistic and I, I prepare myself for the disappointment. I'm I'm right there in that uh that range, about eighty percent, seventy five percent that they just they plan to have Angle become a star and then they have to adjust at the trade deadline again to it. Or I mean, or I could see them also doing like what the Blue Jays did for years, which is like go after a lot of free agents, but not offer them the top offer, so they can tell their fans like, "Hey, I mean, we we offered the kid four years, seventy million. When well, we, he signed for like five years, a hundred. We saw that here too with the Machado. Oh, true. Yeah, good call. Yeah. So I could see that. It's like we offered Simeon four years, eighty million. We offered Castellanos three years, seventy five. Like, oh, that doesn't really help. They're not on our team. Yeah. I mean, just to make a cross-sport reference, like, you look at a team like the Bulls, and they didn't get, like, LeBron James on their team, but they made a lot of really smart, small, calculated moves and a bunch of let's-see-what-happened moves, and they completely turned the roster. We need one of those smart, calculated moves right now just to really pump them up. Because what else are you doing it for? To just win the AL Central? That's a good point. Like getting Alonzo, getting DeMar. Like those are two B-plus moves. What's a right. Sox B-plus move this year? That's the type of move that I'm targeting with. Like Chris Taylor, I think, is a B-plus move. That's a B-plus move. move. Like I would call Marte a B-plus. Oh, I would sure, call yeah. Semyon probably an A. I think no that, question, would be, yeah. that would be the big move. And everyone's hyping it up, so it is possible. But... Uh, I, we really need it. We need it. Um, any other free agent discussion you want to get into? I don't think so. I'm just like, um, I think, honestly, my biggest hope is that Carlos Renault gets paid. 
I, like I'm nothing would make by me, whoever if, by whoever. Like if we sign Marcus Simeon, I honestly think I'd be happier if Rodon got like 80 mil. And I like don't know the guy. It's like this weird fan relationship, but that that would just make me so happy. So I just want to put that out there. I really hope he gets his money, worked his ass off. It was awesome this year. Yeah, I think he definitely deserves it. I think there's still a chance Sox are the ones who pay him. So we'll see. Everything we laid out, it's kind of the best option. Yeah. And they're in a good position. I know they already tweeted their goodbyes and everything, but yeah. we'll see. A uh, couple other things. I mean, there might not even be baseball next year. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So the they're facing a lockout, and I don't really didn't really understand it. It's like you guys are kind of just getting everything right on track, and then I hear this story that we talked about this on Friday. The MLB, in, not officially, but definitely it happened. Proposed using uh, what is it, FWAR, instead of arbitration, and I don't know how much you know how serious they were. But I think the fact that that even occurred really shows how clueless and how far the two sides are. I'm not even involved in these mediations, okay? I have no stake. There's less than like a thousand players, a thousand employees you have to manage. And you're trying to cut out a bargaining process that's existed for my, my entire life. And I'm sure lifetimes before that too with some advanced stat. To me, that's really like a a clear picture of what the labor relations are going into this. And I'm just like, oh, if you would even think to say that, we're probably heading towards a lockout. Yeah, there, I mean, there are massive issues, like massive issues. How do we stop service time manipulation? How do we uh, pay minor leaguers a living wage? How do we make tanking? a non-viable option for team building so people teams actually pay for free agents like all these are massive issues that like what metric to use for arbitration is just because most teams settle anyway right i think there's like nine guys that actually like go through the hearings and like wait for an arbiter's decision it's so silly i'm i've i've been like not reading updates about the lockout because it like depresses me so much because i know it's inevitable and I'm not even like holding out hope, so I'm just like not even blissfully ignorant. I'm just like, well, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna wait for it to happen, and then I'm gonna be very sad when it happens. Yeah, that, that's pretty much all you can do. I'm hoping it doesn't affect spring training. I do want to get back out there. What this is the year. timing for these? Li- I can't remember the last one. Is it like the day before the season starts? Like, what is it? Is it like December? I don't remember. I think it is sometime in the winter, like <laughs> sessions. Probably right around the time of the meetings, it has to be. Yeah, probably. Um, so we might see a, like a free agent frenzy in the next few weeks of guys just like, I'll sign whatever to get me a contract. Right, I kind of think that's what's going to happen based on like Eduardo Rodriguez signing today. Oh, yeah. Like, that was shocking to me. Just not because it's like, wow, Eduardo Rodriguez, what a deal. It's like, you signed this early? That's what's shocking. So I think there's a lot of truth to that, where guys are like, I want my name penned with a dollar amount, and we'll figure out after, because it could be total chaos after a lockout. And I'm sure some of these guys get signing bonuses. I mean, there's a chance that we miss the 2022 season. Right. I'll sign right now. Give me 10 mil in my bank account. Just to float me. Yeah. I need to buy a yacht. Yeah. Right now. Hey, Eduardo Rodriguez, that guy's heart almost exploded. He deserves a yacht. 
Yeah. Give him one of Jeff Bezos' yachts. All right. right. (laughs) Give him a yacht. Another closeout topic we kind of already talked about, which is just they need to stay on it. Don't lose your place in Chicago sports. There is still a berth for the Sox to be the team. Every day we kind of middle. It closes a bit, though. So that's something going into this next year. Just keep that in mind that it's not it's not forever. So make a big move. I mean, the sky just won a title, and like people were, the city was like ant for that. So imagine like a White Sox title again. Like the city is primed for this to be a winning town again. Right, right. They're thirsty for a winner. So the other topic I had is uh, Gumanji. It kind of just. The, the slime, the the juice on the ball, that story just completely, you know, went away after they started padding down. And I just wonder if there's going to be any off-season, you know, kind of a post-facto analysis of everything that happened and revelations and new guidelines. And I also wonder what the next, what is the next ball scandal? It seems like every year there's a ball scandal. The ball's juiced. There's too much juice on the ball from the pitcher. What's it going to be next? So that's what I'm looking forward to next season. It's just what is the next ridiculous ball scandal going on in MLB? I don't think Goo has left us. I think Goo will be here a long time. And I think like as umpires get more lax and checking, I think we'll see more guys start using it next year. And I think we'll see more guys caught. Because what was it, like one guy got caught this year? Couple, yeah. I think it was... Didn't a, a Sox guy got caught? I don't know. I think only one like actually got their glove confiscated and like suspended. Lynn got kicked out of a game for being a diva about it. Yeah, I think some guys are like dicks, but in yeah. terms of like proven substance. I thought Jimmy Cordero didn't he get busted? No, he uh, he was on the deal all year. He, like, I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah. But either way, you think Goo is going to? slowly come back into the game yeah mm. oh yeah you don't think that there's gonna be people or is it gonna be like a downgraded goo less noticeable yeah because I, I mean think... that's what sussed them out was all these advanced metrics it'll be really easy to detect because yeah i guess like if you use spider tech you can load up Statcast, watch pitch by pitch and i'm sure there's like people in new york at mlb headquarters who are watching this stuff and if they see Garrett Cole like oh my god Garrett Cole is like up 300 or 3000 RPM again they'll literally phone into the stadium and tell the umpire like you need to check everything right so I don't think we'll see super drastic stuff like that but I think we'll see some lower level guys like I'm just I can't crack the majors like I, I can't do it I, I it's worth a shot yeah the risk reward is so much in my favor like I need to make the majors okay but I think the, day, the days are over of like Garrett Cole flagrantly cheating, and that's probably for the best. Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> Even like, and because he's clearly awesome anyway. Like he's clearly terrific. Yeah, he's still great. He's awesome. So like, why did he do it? It's so weird. Why not be better? I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Why not be the best mil. pitcher of all time? Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the topics I have done. Do you got anything else? Oh, we exhausted my list. Beautiful. All right. Well. We've got a lot of great things planned for next year. Uh, a lot of them we talked about doing this year, and we just completely muffed on them. So. Yeah, we chunked it. But I think it was a pretty successful inaugural pod season. Had a lot of fun. Felt like I got to 
really verbalize some of my thoughts on this team and hopefully enlighten some people on something or at least entertain some people. So big thank you to everyone for listening. Definitely appreciate that. And next year we'll, we're hoping we're hoping to bring a lot of new interesting content. So good luck, Sox, in the uh, winter meetings and negotiations. Hopefully they get us one of these guys that we think gets us over the hump. Don, you got any closing words for the season? Get us a guy. Get us a guy. Get us a guy. Beautiful. All right. Thanks for listening. Bear. Welcome to Burler's Hurlers. <laughs> All right. Uh, it is the last season of the episode. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start over.